Oh, guess who's back? <laughs> Your beloved host, Danny Belts, is back. Yes, in the flesh, baby. <laughs> oh, it's time to roll. Buckle up. Somebody asked me about this change. They said, what is it? I said, in the word of Dennis Reynolds on Always Sunny, you know what it is, bitch. <laughs> Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 84. I'm your host, Danny Belts. We haven't lost track of the ATS. 44 and 32, we posted an Eagles play against the Bucks. We got cucked. And we couldn't post the last episode. I had the Rams, excuse me, the Niners, Packers under, lock of the year, and the Rams to win outright. Boy, did they try to lose that game versus Tampa. So much to discuss. Where has your host been? We will get into that. All of it. Yes, all of it. We'll talk about San Francisco versus the Rams, Kansas City versus Cincy. I want to recap Green Bay versus San Francisco. I want to discuss San Francisco as a whole. We have to touch on President Biden on some recent comments, and I'm not going to get as political as you think. Uh, a lot of self-changes will be made to unleash some potential. I do want to talk also about David Ortiz going into the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds being out. Uh, you're really going to have to sit me down and explain this to me like a five-year-old because I just don't get it. I just don't. A comparison story of the war. Trojans. Remember the Trojan War? You know the Trojan horse as the Greeks came to their beaches. We'll be discussing that in depth. It's just me today, boys. That's right. The intro music has changed. A lot of things will change. And like I said, for the better. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. If you haven't told anybody about the Sports Antelope, reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope. Go ahead and give us a like. Give us some good comments, like I said. And go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. Bro Exotic and Tommy Bench will be sitting this one out. Bro Exotic is working. Tommy Bench has the flu. And just to make sure it wasn't the COVID, he actually went and got tested positive for the flu. So the flu is a real thing. It is a real thing. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, the influenza is still out there. Always has been, always will be. It is more devastating than COVID, um, even to the healthy. As we all know, if you have COVID and you are healthy, your chances of dying are around the Powerball lottery, that aside. Let's lead off with this Barry Bonds-Ortiz thing. I have a huge problem with putting Ortiz in the Hall of Fame if Barry Bonds is not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Let's just call balls and strikes. No pun intended. Actually, pun intended. Before Bonds even started juicing for San Francisco, he was the, probably one of the greatest baseball players the world has ever seen. The first one to hit 40 home runs, steal 40 bases. He ran out of room for golden gloves in his, in his office, probably. One of the best defenders we've ever seen in the outfield. He was jacking home runs well before all of this happened. And as you know, went to San Francisco and it got to the point where you couldn't even throw the man a strike because he would deposit that ball in the bay over the biggest wall on the longest right field stretch in Major League Baseball. Had Barry Bonds played in Fenway Park, he would have put one on uh, the pesky pole. He would have been hitting 100 home runs. And yes, he did cheat. So did everyone else, including David Ortiz, shoving a needle in his ass. And now he goes to the Hall of Fame. I just don't, you're gonna, again, I was reading some of the dissenting opinions. I was reading some of the other opinions. Baseball Hall of Fame voters are the stupidest people on earth. 
Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, the list goes on. You've got to be kidding me. I don't care if Rose bet four against his team. I don't care if Roger Clemens was on steroids. He was 44, throwing 100 miles. It just doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. So asterisks to asterisks to the Bucks Super Bowl last year and asterisks towards David Ortiz. Speaking of the Bucks, boy, did they cuck versus the Eagles. I knew they were just a paper tiger. They have not beat a good team all year. They, they rarely beat good teams. The Saints decimated them again. Brady 0-4 in the regular season versus the Saints. The Saints shutting out Tampa in Tampa 9-0, and Taysom Hill gets the credit for the win. The Prophet Joshua still continues to smoke crack and freebase heroin as he thinks Taysom Hill is the answer to the Saints long term. Unbelievable. He does get killer traffic reports, though, on on flagship 870. I got to give him. I do love his, I love his podcast. Nola Trash Talk. Shout out to Nola Trash Talk. Steve McJeezy and the Prophet Joshua continue to lay the hammer on all. Throwing shade at the parade, as they say. It is a must, must listen. 45 minutes, once a week. They do it on the weekend. Typically Sunday, Saturday-ish. Nola Trash Talk. Even if you're not in New Orleans, it is hilarious. Unless the Prophet starts talking about Taysom Hill. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. So, San Francisco, it's been a while, guys. We'll get into where I was. Let's get into some, some beef real quick. So, San Francisco had a chance to send the Saints, or excuse me, the Rams, if they beat Frisco, Week 18, had a chance to send the Saints to the playoffs. And they didn't. They go up seven, get the ball back, and McVay runs the ball on third and seven instead of going for the win, gives the ball back to the 49ers, who obviously come down the field and tie it. Get the ball first in overtime, drain the clock, kick a field goal with a minute left. If the game ended in a tie, Frisco still advances. I have to give it to Shanahan. He won the chess match versus McVay. Speaking of which, they beat them seven times in a row. Seven. G7. You just hit G8. Yes. Seven times in a row. Can it be eight? I, I, I don't know. We'll get into that. We have to. Uh, talk about San Francisco, more or less, and how I feel they can win the Super Bowl. I really do. Since we're on that, let's talk about Kansas City. Obviously, last week was the greatest game ever played. Full stop, period. If you didn't see, they scored about, I don't know, four touchdowns in the final couple minutes. It took almost 30 minutes of real time to get that out of the way because of all the touchdowns that were happening. Josh Allen is extremely good at football. Extremely good. Wow. And Mahomes is Mahomes. You're looking at two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, period. And when they go heads up, it should be a must, must-watch television they should stop every network and just play that like you would the national emergency or something because it was just insane. And as the Chiefs got the ball back with 13 seconds, I actually snuck in a little live bet for the Chiefs to win outright, plus 650, because 13 seconds is just too much time with two timeouts. And if you didn't see, they hit Tyreek Hill, the fastest guy in the world, for a little 26-yard pop. And then they find Kelsey, who got out of bounds, didn't need to. They call a timeout, kick a field goal, get the ball for a score touchdown. Now, the Saints were the reason that they changed the overtime rules when they beat Brett Favre in the NFC Championship. Uh, not 2009, circa day, the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. And they changed it for the better, I guess. But I think we're all in agreement now that the rules should be changed again. The Bills should absolutely have gotten the football in that situation. Each team should get the ball from the 50-yard line. And if you score a touchdown, then... Obviously, they have the option to do the same, kick a field goal, and they score a touchdown, they win. They kick a field goal, we go to double overtime. Speaking of which, there should be no ties in pro football. I don't understand the ties. Player safety, we take the overtime 15 minutes to 10 minutes. Now, there's all kinds of ties. It's absurd. 
while adding a game to the season, but it is for player safety. Again, sit me down like a five-year-old and explain this to me because I just simply do not understand. I just don't. Green Bay San Francisco was by far one of the weirdest games I have ever seen. My brethren in Green Bay, I weep for thee. It was just tragic. Packers, first play, first drive, whatever. Go down the field. Looks like business as usual. Niners made some adjustments. They quadruple teamed Adams, and all of a sudden the Packers offense became Saints-like Taysom Hill anemic. Blocking a field goal. I know it's that whole thing people have said all year, particularly the Green Bay faithful, that special teams would cost them eventually, and it did. If you did not see, as it was 10-3 to in the wee minutes of the game, the Green Bay is setting up for a punt, and the Niners are in full protection for Debo Samuel, who is one of the most dangerous people to ever touch a football, particularly right now. They throw to him, they hand it off to him, he does the wildcat, punt returns, he's just electric, he is a firecracker, black cat varietal, no pun there, he is black, his name's Debo. If I had a son, I'd name him Debo. I don't care. If I adopt him, I should adopt his son, name him Debo. Because he is Debo. He takes everyone's That's my bike, punk. You want some of this old man? No. No, I don't. So, as they line up to punt, I swear the Niners had four people on the line. They're dropping seven. It's full on return. And the only one guy that's going to try to bust in there is the nose tackle. And he just moves the white guy aside like a cardboard mannequin and goes in and Steve Gleason's that football, except it went straight up instead of straight back up in the air for about 10 seconds. I believe they took a commercial break while the ball was in the air and it lands and some dude picks it up and moonwalks into the end zone. And then the Niners get the ball back, come down and win. Jimmy Garoppolo is the consummate game manager. I get it. Trying to remove Tony Romo's mouth from Shanahan's flaccid penis during the broadcast is a difficult task for CBS. I believe it is CBS, I think. Or is it Fox? I don't know. I should know that. Either way, he just sucks Shanahan way too hard. It's kind of ridiculous. But this just reminds me of so much of the Saints game versus the Rams in the NFC Championship where, uh, oh, you know, it just occurred to me I forgot to say the title of the show. (laughs) But... I'll get into that. But it does show, it shows where you only remember the last thing in the game. Like we remember the Saints getting, not getting the no call and one of the more blatant, you could have called holding helmet to helmet or pass interference, either of which the Saints have a 99% chance to win at that point. They take the clock down to eight seconds, kick a field goal. Lutz has, was perfect that year. He had not missed a kick that year. He had missed a kick in the Superdome in almost two years. He's going to make a 41-yarder and that the game is over. But there's so many things the Saints could have done to win that game prior there, too, that we just forget that. The Packers did not lose the game because of a blocked field goal. Uh, Lazard ran two errant routes. Both would have been touchdowns. Uh, There's some brain farts and some really weird penalties to back the Packers up. They played right into the Niners game, which is field position. The Niners are like herpes. They just don't go away. If you don't exterminate them at the correct time, they're going to win these football games. If you give them a lead early like Dallas did, they'll hold it. And if you keep them around with a short deficit, they'll take it. You can go ask the Cowboys and the Packers. They'll both tell you the same thing. I believe the San Francisco 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. I really do. And right now at their odds at 3-1, to one, those are terrible odds. What I would do is, and they are the long shot outside of the Bengals, is I would take the Niners on the money line versus the Rams, open up a parlay on the money line, and then wait to whoever wins the NFC Championship. Assuming the Niners win, I think they will. And then close it with the parlay of the AFC champion. He'll get way better odds than three to one to win it outright. That's almost insulting. Three to one. 
I mean, they should be three to one versus the Rams, technically, getting three and a half. I like that a lot. I love the Niners and the points. I really do. There's no way the Rams run away with this. McVay has shown that he has no idea how to hold a lead, no idea how to do anything. Uh, even though he wasn't the one fumbling, the play calling was so stupid. The arbitrary runs to run the clock when they can't stop Stafford. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're just running the offense in the words of Belichick, and they continue to cuck. Uh, but at least they won the game, which helped out Danny Belts more ways than you can imagine. Well, that's all great, Belts. What's this have to do with anything? Well, nothing. I just wanted to lead off with a quick recap of that. We'll also be getting into college basketball shortly. Uh, UCLA, I believe to be the uh, the primo team to beat. They just dispatched of Michigan State at home. The score was not even indicative of what happened. They are extremely well coached. They have four pros on that team. Two are going in the first round. I bet them, I believe, 15-1 to one to win it before the season started, and I should have that in front of me. I don't. So did Young Woken. Shout out to the Young Woken. Sent me a picture of him walking into the Green Bay game prior to them getting cucked. And... Young Wilkin, I'm sorry about everything, man. But you're probably going to hit the UCLA one or be in a good position to hedge. So good for you. The title of this show is Don't Let the Horse In. Don't let the horse in. What's the horse? I'm glad you asked. The horse is the Trojan horse. Now, am I going to break down Homer's Iliad for you? Nay. And the story is kind of convoluted. If you watch the movie Troy, yes, Brad Pitt meanders around shirtless the whole movie, and he's kind of hot. No homo, but he is... Good looking dude. Troy took a lot of liberties in the movie. They made it around Achilles. That is not how that works if you read the Iliad. So I'll just give you the highlights of really what happens here. You see at the very end of this, the Greeks had amassed a massive army. Massive. And the Trojans army, albeit smaller, had a very distinct advantage, the Trojan Wall. A concrete enforced wall from the book stood almost 100 feet high, 3 feet free. Three feet thick and surrounded the entire city. An impenetrable force that gave them an advantage versus any person that tried to take the city, being as where they had the distinct height advantage with the archers. It was impossible to take them head on. The Greeks found this out firsthand. As the Greeks came to the city, over a woman, of course, Helen. And they came in full force for the first battle, got destroyed, came back the second time, got destroyed. And the third time was a charm. No, it wasn't. They got destroyed. As they went back to the beaches, the book does indicate this to be true as the movie goes, that indeed one of the young infantrymen was whittling a horse. Asked by an Athenian general, what are you doing? And he told him, I'm going to whittle this horse for my kid because we lost the war. And you know, we came out three times. They have archers and Menelaus cucks. Yes, we know. Well, in doing so, the general got this idea of the Trojan horse, right? We'll hollow out this horse, but the horse had to be perfectly crafted. Perfect. One splinter. One imperfection, they would know it was made by man. Thus, they would burn it. Their plan was to drop the horse off in front of the city with a few guys in it. We'll sail away like we're leaving. They'll throw a big party. We'll assume they bring the horse in. We'll flank them on the west side of the island, come in the gates, and burn this bitch to the ground. Well, Prince Hector said, burn this. And yes, Paris, the prince, he cocks. Let's take it inside. And the elders agree. And you know what happens. They bring the horse in, and out trickles just a few men, post-party. Everyone's drunk. We'll be talking about that. They dispatch the guards, unlock the gates, 
and a very pissed off, vengeful Greek army storms in and wrecks shop. Don't let that horse in. What's the horse? Are you making a metaphor? I absolutely am. Let me tell you about it. See, for those of you who didn't know my hiatus, my sabbatical, I left on the 3rd to go to West Palm Beach, not for surgery, but for recovery. Uh, recovery from alcohol addiction. See, I had a problem with this prior. I talked about it on the show and not to get into it all. And we will eventually. There's so many things I saw, oh my God, and heard. It was just, I saw happiness. I saw sorrow. I saw horrors. And then I saw what is below horrors, beneath the basement. Things that you just can't forget things that are etched in my mind forever and reminders on what and why you can't do the things that at least I was doing. I went sober for a few weeks and was okay, but I was miserable. So I came to the conclusion if I'm going to be a miserable sober and a miserable drunk, how am I going to get through life? It's going to be very difficult to do that. The difference between the Greeks, or excuse me, the Trojans and myself, and I can't speak for you, but I can certainly speak for me, is I knew what was in that horse, and I just kept letting it in. But the problem, you see, the problem is you have three options. You can burn the horse, which I did not do. You can let it in, which I did not do again, or you can keep it there. And if you keep it there, unfortunately, the bad news is life's going to make that decision for you, and eventually it's going to make its way in and destroy you. It's just a few men. It's just a few drinks. It's just one blunt. It's just a few pills. It's just one rail. It's just one hit. Doesn't matter. For me, I found out the age-old adage, one is too many, a hundred is not enough. There's no way to live life angry when you're sober. So I decided I had to go to rehab in West Palm Beach for the better part of January. I learned a lot. I did. I was embarrassed and ashamed when I went there, and now I'm not. I'm a better person for it. I'm open about it. I'm an open book hiding alcohol in the past and just being a horrible parent. I was a good parent, but just, you know, I waited till she went to sleep at least, but just a bad husband, a bad friend, all of these things, alcohol had a control of me even when I was sober. And that, my friends, is a problem. But luckily I identified the problem and was able to get help. I was fishing in deep sea. I was fishing out by the rigs with eight pound test. You ain't catching anything out there with eight pound test. The bait you use out there will snap eight pound test. But I got there just in time to fix and amend a lot of things and to change. I wrote my daughter a letter, predated it about 10 years, and I'm going to read it to her. And just like the city of Troy as it burned, you see the thing to do is to rebuild right there. No, you can't do that. You have to build right next to it. And you leave the ruins next to the burned city. Excuse me. You leave the ruins next to the new city that you built. Why? So your children can know what happens. Look, I'm not a big fan of taking down Confederate statues. Okay, you can't erase history. Again, I've said this. They did it in East Berlin in the late 1930s. They burned books. They burned history. They burned people. How did that work? Luckily, it didn't. So for me to rebuild the city here would be, would be a neglect as a parent. She's going to have to wake up one day and ask me when she's eight, what's that right there? I'll say that's very observant, but not yet. Then she'll be 10. What is that over there? Not yet. Then when she's around 13 or 14 and she's ready, I'll read her this letter that I wrote. If I can hold on to myself, I'll tell you, I think I've hit my quota for tears for 2020 and we're 2022 and we're not even in February. But I will tell you that it was a real thing. It helped me out a lot. 
And explaining this to my young one will be emphatic and to the point uh, with vivid detail on what happens of how this city burned. Now, you can keep burning cities and building them and building them and building them, but eventually the problem is you're going to run out of real estate. I already have. This is it for me. I have one more plot of land I'm building right now as we speak. Soon I'll have it up again. She'll be the queen of the kingdom and she'll have choices to make. And I'm hoping that in this letter that I write to her, she understands the destruction that can come behind abuse of substance. I found out a lot about my genes. I am predisposed to a lot of things. We're not even going to get into that. We will. We will. Trust me. I have a ramen noodle must, a ramen noodle mayo story for you that will make you piss. Be sure you wear a diaper. I'll give you, well, I saw some funny things. And like I said, I saw some horrible things. But it's too much to process to get it out now. And... For me to tell you this isn't, you know, this, you know, a bunch of Christians go on a youth retreat, they come back on fire for God, then you see them in the bar the next week. This is different. This is a lifelong type journey uphill with a backpack of 80 pounds that I'm going to need to bear that burden and stay away from the things that make me not myself. I don't need to drink to be happy. I really don't. So we're working on that. And you can work with me. There's a lot in common with the Trojan Wall as opposed to the Niners and the Rams. See, the Niners have built this wall. They've won seven straight times versus this team. How do you beat a team? When people say it's hard to beat a team three times in a row, I always laugh. It happens all the time. The Saints did this to the Panthers recently. Beat them twice in the regular season, then bounced them out of the playoffs rather easily. It's hard to beat a team once. It's hard to beat a team eight times in a row in pro sports for sure. But much like San Francisco... Much like the Trojans, again come the Rams to the walls of their shit city, (laughs) and they plan to knock that thing down. How are they going to do it? They've tried brute force, like Menelaus did with the Greeks. They've tried this. It does not work. It just doesn't work. They're going to have to find a way to sneak a Trojan horse into that city. And again, it's just a few men, just a few beers, belts, that's it. (laughs) Well, I know what a few beers can do to me, because it doesn't end with a few beers. It ends with a very angry, massive, vengeful Greek army coming in the city and burning it. I wouldn't want to do that again, being as where I'm currently building one, my last one. So what do the Niners do here? How can they hold off this army that has just, it looks like they're about as hot as it gets Notwithstanding the Niners lost at the end of the year that got the Saints out of the playoffs. And again, McVay has a chance to go for the win with Stafford and all these receivers. You have the best receiver in the NFL. That's a white man for once. It's unbelievable. Leads the NFL in everything. Receptions, touchdowns, yards, you name it. But no, we're going to run the ball with Akers and we'll punt and we'll cuck. Yes, again and again and again. You tell me you're taking the Rams here? I don't know. I'm telling you this. I don't think they have a Trojan horse. I think they're going to do the same dumbass thing. They're going to try to play the Niners at their game. Ball control, conservative behavior, the very thing that got them the lead versus Tampa was the opposite of what I just said. Gunslinging action with a ton of athletes and pounding teams into submission with a dangerous receiving core, a damn good offensive line, and a very good quarterback, and a very capable offensive coordinator. I don't know. But here's what I know about the 49ers. 
Cue that Molly music, my friend. I hate, hate, hate the 49ers. I really hate the 49ers. I, I can't tell you. I mean, let me just get into our backstory on the San Francisco 49ers. Let me take you back to the NFC West, which featured the St. Louis Rams, the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, and the San Francisco 49ers. And as a kid, going to over 200 Saints games, I had to endure once a year the Niners waltzing their ugly-ass uniforms into the Superdome and beating the piss out of us. I had to watch Joe Montana play pitch and catch with Jerry Rice like it was in the backyard and the other team was drunk. I mean, it was ridiculous. It got so old watching this happen, and then it finally stopped. Yes! Jerry Rice goes to the Raiders. Joe Montana goes to Kansas City. It's over. Who's this Steve Bono guy? He sucks. It's not going to work out. But then some little midget lefty Mormon from Brigham Young steps in, whose name will be left unsaid, and this other guy from Tennessee Chattanooga, I believe his last name is Owens, they come in to cuck us for another decade, another Super Bowl, more beatdowns in the Superdome. It was ridiculous. I hate the 49ers and how fitting the 49ers put the Saints out of the playoffs again indirectly. It just makes perfect sense to me. However, the 49ers don't need a Trojan horse. The Niners have the wall. It's reinforced. It's big. It's thick. Their archers are on that wall, and they will defend that wall with everything they have. They do have a game plan for the Rams. It continues to work. They lead the turnover battle 16-2 to in this stretch of wins over them. They have outplayed them. They have outgained them. They have had way less penalties. They clearly have a matchup issue versus the Rams, and they play better versus the Rams in L.A. You can probably make a bet right now. It will be louder when the Niners score than when the Rams do. Because there are no Rams fans, but I'll give it to the Niners. They travel as well as any team in the NFL. They're up there with the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Steelers, and the Raiders. They travel. Trust me, they travel. Huh, really well. I hate the 49ers, which makes this so perfect because I'm giving you my objective opinion right now on this team. Jimmy Garoppolo is good, not great. He's better than Taysom Hill. Had the Saints got into the playoffs, they could easily be in this spot, believe it or not. The Saints' defense, when they're healthy, dispatched of the Patriots in New England. Three points to Green Bay and a thrashing in Jacksonville, thrashing Tampa twice. The Saints' defense is top three. Might be the best when they're healthy. But in this case, we're not talking about the Saints, are We're talking about the 49ers, who are not going to do anything different. Nothing different. They will run the ball. They'll find a way to give Samuel the rock. They won't turn it over. They won't have penalties. You can bet the Rams will be the exact opposite of what I just said. The Rams are a poorly coached football team. With an overrated coach, he's a bum. Trust me. Shanahan's a better coach than him. He's a better game planner. He's everything. The Rams have more talent, more names. They have more of everything, but they just have less of the grit. The Niners are going to win this game, but I'll take the three and a half on the record. Furthermore, I think the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. This pains me to say this, but I think they got into the playoffs at the right time. This reminds me of the Giants team that did this in the most incredible run of all times, beating the 12-4 Tampa team on the road, beating a 13-3 Dallas team on the road, a 14-2 Packers team in overtime, Brett Favre's last game in Lambeau in the snow on the road, and then beating the 18-0 New England Patriots. This has the same makings of it, the second coming of that booty-ass wildcard team that ran the table. And make no mistake, they're built just like the Giants. Eli Manning has a lot in common with Garoppolo. The defense has a lot in common with the Giants and the Niners at the time. The coaching staff, it just makes sense. 
And the Niners play better on the road than they do at home. They're way more comfortable outside the confines of that shit stadium. May as well still be candlestick for all I care. We like the Niners plus the three and a half. We like them to win the game outright. We like the Niners to win the Super Bowl. You heard me. And he doesn't wear a mask. And he doesn't think he's... I mean, come on. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's death did. You kind of have to give it to President Biden. I mean, he is the most truthful president you'll ever see. Do you think that Jen Psaki and company wanted him to say that? No. When he says things like the poor kids are just as smart as are just as smart as the white kids, when he says stuff like if you vote for Trump, you ain't black, and when he says that the assassination, uh, uh, the uh, air quotes assassination of George Floyd, is not just tantamount but greater than the assassination of Martin Luther King, he is not being taken out of context. Like he's being honest, and it shows through his honesty how inept and crazy this man actually is. I happen to know a lot about Dr. King. There are some things he did that were not so morally just. We won't get into that. But 95% of what this guy did was extremely positive, world-changing, and history-bound to where, I mean, there's a holiday after the guy. I wouldn't have a problem with putting him on, on currency. And, and this man, you're going to talk about a guy with a rap sheet the size of a spoiled kid's Santa list, Christmas list? That, that, that abused children that was high as dog shit on fentanyl? We'll be getting into that because when I was in the detox facility <laughs> in rehab, I was placed in a 400-square-foot room with a bathroom with no lock with three guys coming down off fentanyl. Oh, trust me. I have stories for days, but we need to wait uh, to get into all of that. But at the same time, this is insanity. This is the president of the United States saying that this man's death was more significant than Martin Luther King's, and he is not getting Fox News here. I listened to the whole thing. He's dead serious. And then he tries to revert back up a little bit, but that car's been parked, pal. I mean, if Trump had said something like this, he'd get impeached again, and his world would burn. They'd burn his hotels. Where is BLM right here? Where are the far-left, crazy, snowflake liberals? Where are you? Are you kidding? I don't even know what to say. And yet, that's got a little press. I mean, that is absolutely... Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining the Sports Antidote 84. Don't let that horse in. And listen, the horse could be a lot of different things. It's not just alcohol. It could be anything. Don't let it sit there. Don't let it in. Burn it. Trust me. Do yourself a favor. Do your friends a favor. Do your family a favor. Do your boss a favor. I'll help light it on fire for you. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Thanks for jumping on to episode 84. Don't let that horse burn. Reach out, touch a brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antidote. Be sure and follow us at the Sports Antidote. I can't, I can't tell you this enough. Tell someone about the Sports Antidote. You're going to like the changes. you like it a lot. I guarantee you this. Keep it real, Antidotians. I'm outspoken, my language is broken into a slang, but it's just the dialect that I select when I hang, I play it cool, cause fooling is all, then I'm about just fooling with the girlies, yes, I'm busting it out, I'm special ed, and you can tell by the style that I use, I'm